This morning's reading is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we are grateful for your word. The psalmist tells us that your word is more precious than precious jewels. It is sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. Father, as we pray and open your word, we pray that your spirit would show us that to be true this morning, that it would be sweet to us, that it would be life-changing to us, that we would taste and see not only that your word is good, but that the God who stands behind these words is good and true and loving. Thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So when we were discussing this series initially, um, be completely honest, I was really, really hoping and praying that I didn't draw the short stick and get patience, uh, because that is something I have very little of. So when I saw the schedule and saw that I got kindness, I thought, oh good, I've got this one down. I am the nicest kindest, most generous person I know, I will nail this. And my wife and kids are in awe of my self-delusion, because they know this is not true. I can tell you lots of stories of kindness from my house. We get calls every once in a while about, you know, how, how kind our kids were in school, and they included a, a new kid to the class and what they were doing, or we hear stories about our kids who were, one of our kids who was on a mission trip and gave his food that he just bought to a homeless guy, or most recently there was a white elephant exchange uh, here in the youth group, and one of our kids was so kind of disturbed that one of his friends didn't get the gift they wanted, that he came home and wanted us to go and buy this gift for this kid, and we got great stories of our kids' kindness And anyone who knows us knows that they get that from their mom. Um, No illusions. If we have even a a small dose of humility, I think each one of us knows that we have tremendous room for growth in each one of these attributes that we refer to as the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, The Christian life is, as Carol was describing it, as the book Pilgrim's Progress describes it, 
It is a pilgrim's journey where with every step we're learning to be more and more in step, in cadence with the Spirit. And as we learn to be in cadence with the Spirit, these fruit grow in our life. And every single one of us has tremendous room for growth in these fruit. Before we dive into the specific fruit that we're discussing this morning, kindness, I want to revisit something that that Bob said last week. Bob, and this is not a, a direct quote, but Bob said last week that basically we do not have the corner market, Christians, on these attributes that we refer to as the fruit of the Spirit. There are plenty of people outside the walls of the church who are of no religion or of a different religion who show tremendous patience or can be joyful or can be tremendously kind. We don't have the corner market on these virtues. We don't have the corner market on kindness. Uh, In 2011, during the uh, Egyptian Revolution, there was a group of Christians in, I'm going to get this right, because I was complimented after the first service that I actually pronounced this right, Tahrir Square in Cairo, the Christians there joined hands and surrounded a group of Muslims who were trying to pray to create a, a human wall, a shield around these Muslims so that they could pray without being accosted by the protests that were going on in Tahrir Square. Tahrir Square is this chaotic place kind of in the center of Cairo and so they were creating a buffer zone around the Muslims so that they would be able to pray in peace. A few days later, that Muslim group returned the favor and showed the same kindness to the Christians who were trying to pray. Hand in hand, creating a human wall around the Christians so that they can pray without being accosted by the protesters in Tahrir Square. And my point is that Christians do not have exclusive claim to these attributes. Non-Christians do kind things all the time. Non-Christians can be incredibly altruistic and self-giving. Last night, just out of curiosity, I went to Oprah Winfrey's website. She supports actively 29 charities. I will not tell you how many I support, but it is far less than 29. We are often out-given out-kinded. We don't have a corner market. But if we refer to these as fruit of the Spirit, how is it that those who do not have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit can produce these fruits? How can they show themselves to be kind and patient? Well, it's still a sign of God's work, God's grace, and the image of God upon them. We often make a distinction between God's saving grace and common grace. Uh, God's saving grace is what leads us to repentance, regenerates us, causes us to be born again, brings us through the process of being sanctified and more holy and, and justified and eventually glorified. 
But even those who aren't in the process of that saving grace experience God's grace day in and day out. Scripture says that God makes the sun to shine on the righteous and the wicked alike. God makes the rain to fall on the crops and water the crops of the righteous and the wicked. It's an expression of his common grace. Another way that God's common grace shows up in the believer and in the non-believer is the Spirit restrains our proclivities, our inclinations towards sin and wickedness. We're not as bad as we could be, right? I'm truly, I'm not, I could get worse. I'm not as bad as I could be. I believe in the doctrine of total depravity, that every part, the totality of our being is impacted by sin. My emotions, my intellect, my spiritual life, even my physical life is touched by sin. But total depravity doesn't mean I'm as bad as I could be, or that society is as bad as it could be. Because the Holy Spirit restrains wickedness. And when he restrains wickedness, traces, vestiges of of the image of God can shine through. God created every person in his image. And so every person bears the indelible mark of their creator. A likeness to their creator who is loving and kind and generous and patient and, yes, even joyful. And so as the Holy Spirit restrains wickedness and evil in our hearts and in our world, those things can shine through. We don't have the corner market on any of these attributes. They're not dependent upon a a right belief in God But they are dependent on God. Kindness or patience or joy, they can exist apart from a right belief in God, but they cannot exist apart from God. He is the fount of every blessing, the fount of all that is good and true and pure and noble. And so all of these things that we see in our world, in believer or unbeliever alike, are traced back to God. We don't have the corner market on any of these attributes, but we are called as Christians to be intentional about showing kindness and about the kind of kindness we show. Our kindness is supposed to be modeled after God's kindness. Not in a a legalistic kind of way, not in a manufactured kind of way, but in an organic way. The Spirit is producing fruit in us. And it, marks, it has the mark of our Father's DNA. The kindness that we are to display is the kind of kindness that our Father has displayed to us and to the world. So this morning, for the next 14 minutes that I have left, thank you again, Carol, Um, 
we just want to kind of mine Scripture. What does Scripture say about God's kindness? The text that we already read, Ephesians 2, but, but other parts of Scripture as well. Uh, first, God's kindness, it, it is an intense kindness. It's an intense kindness. Now, honestly, when I saw that I had kindness, I thought, ugh. Okay, kindness. The, the first word that comes to mind for me is milk toast. Bland, boring. That, that word milk toast came into fashion in the 1920s after a cartoonist, Casper Milk Toast, who had a comic strip called The Timid Life. So now if you Google the word milk toast, and that's a safe word to Google, and you come to definitions, well, here's some of them. Easily dominated, extremely mild, ineffectual, very timid, unassertive, spineless, and here's what two of them I like. Namby-pamby, wishy-washy. That's what I think of when I think of kindness. Soft, timid, namby-pamby, wishy-washy. That's not the kind of kindness God emulated for us. Even in the Ephesians 2 passage that we read, did you hear some of those adjectives that were used to describe things like God's grace and his mercy and his love and his kindness? It was great love, vast, deep, powerful love. He's rich in mercy. And there's displaying an incomparable, incomparable riches of his grace. When we use the word rich, I think a lot of us, a lot of times think, well, he's got a lot of it, a lot of grace, a lot of mercy, a lot of love. But we also use the word riches or rich to describe something that's kind of intense, right? Like, wow, that dessert was really rich. God's love is rich. His grace, his mercy, his kindness is, is rich. He's got a lot of it, but it's deep and profound and it's intense. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 11. He says, note then, the kindness and the severity of God. Severity to those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Think of all the biblical passages you can recall to mind about God's severity. His wrath, his anger, the images, the word pictures that are used to describe it. It's fierce. It's intense. It's passionate. Paul here is drawing a contrast. He's making a comparison between God's fierce severity and kindness. Uh, for this contrast to work, he can't be balancing on one side something that is intense and fierce and something that is wishy-washy, namby-pamby. Paul is describing two dispositions of God that are equally intense. Yes, he is intense in his severity, but he is just as equally intense in his kindness. 
God's kindness, his generosity, his, his good will is fierce and intense. And we are called by the Spirit to this kind of fierce friendliness, to a gritty goodwill, to an intense kindness. To be perfectly honest, I have a tough time comprehending those kind of things together, right? Fierce friendliness, intense kindness. I was struggling to figure out, how do you illustrate that? What does that look like? And last night I said, okay, well, I'll figure it out in the morning. Closed the laptop, turned on the TV, and started watching Hacksaw Ridge. It's the true story of Private Desmond Doss, who in World War II joined a rifle company, but in his words was a conscientious cooperator. He was there, but he wouldn't touch a rifle, wouldn't touch a gun. He was there to be intensely kind to his fellow companymen. He endured criticism, being called a coward, being beat, almost being court-martialed, to show kindness, to heal, to do good. And when in the grind of the war he found himself in Okinawa at Hacksaw Ridge, he proved that he was no coward and stayed and showed an intense, fierce kindness to his fellow soldiers. When everyone else was retreated, he stayed behind enemy lines to pull out of many of his wounded comrades as he could. I don't know the total number of, if I'd watched till the end of the movie, but it went late. They tell you how many he pulled out. That's an intense kindness. I, I could tell you also about Andre Trocme. I recommended a book, I think the last time I preached, called Lest Innocent Blood Be Shed. Some of my friends read that book and are no longer my friends um, because they hated the book. It's a really bad, bad, bad book. I mean, the guy should never write again, ever. But it's a tremendous story about Andre Trocme, who was a Huguenot pastor in France, who was fiercely determined to show kindness to the Jews who were refugees, running for their lives at great risk and with a personal intensity. I think the author describes at one point as a burning kindness. Now maybe you're saying, well, Dan, do you have any illustrations that aren't from war? I don't, maybe, not off the top of my head. But don't they fit well, the situation we're in now? I mean, we are in a spiritual war. We don't use that language often, but it's fitting. We are in a spiritual war, and there are casualties all around us who need to experience the church's radical, intense, fierce kindness. People who have succumbed to temptation, given their lives over to sin, and been chewed up and spit out. People who are objects of hatred, or who have given into hatred and are just left as burnt out shells. The hatred has burned up everything. 
and they need to experience the intense kindness of God through his people. We are at war, and there's casualties all around who need to experience the kindness of God through us. God's love is also a purposeful kindness. Again, confession. I'm not a huge fan of those random acts of kindness. You know, like when you pull up to the Starbucks drive-thru and the person ahead of you is paid for yours? My first thought is, oh, crap. Now I got to pay for the person behind me. (laughs) Keep the chain going, you know, pay it forward. The problem is, every time I go to Starbucks... I get a grande cup of coffee, black, 250. Invariably, the person behind me has four grande cappuccinos, and it's like $28. I'm like, keep your random act of kindness to yourself, please. You just cost me 26 bucks. God's kindness is the opposite of random. It's purposeful. It's in Intense, but also intentional. Paul says in Romans 2, 4, Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is completely random? No, no. God's kindness is purposeful. It's meant to lead to repentance. One of the cognates of the word kindness is useful. Uh, God's kindness is a useful kind of kindness. Our kindness is to be a useful, beneficial kind of kindness. Purposeful, intentional, leading people to what is not only good, but better. Yes, a better day, hopefully a better life, but ultimately a better eternity. And I'm not saying that every act of kindness needs to be accompanied by a presentation of the four spiritual laws. Not saying that. But maybe our kindness should be purposeful and and prayerful. Maybe we ought to be praying that the small seeds of kindness that we're sowing will lead to repentance, will lead to eternal life, will be small testimonies in this person's life of God's great and vast and intense kindness that will draw them to him. So that yes, we've contributed to them having a better day, but maybe through this act of kindness, they now have a better eternity. God's kindness is purposeful. God's kindness is also a sacrificial kindness. I'm not telling you anything you don't know with this point, right? We know that God's kindness is sacrificial. In the Ephesians 2 passage, it says that God's kindness is expressed to us in Jesus Christ. He gave us what is good. He gave us what is best sacrificially, giving us his beloved Son. In Titus 3 4, Paul says it this way But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, 
he saved us. I, I love that. God's kindness appeared in the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And of course we know Christ's kindness towards us was a sacrificial kindness. They're modeling for us, they're doing more than just modeling for us, but they are modeling for us the kind of kindness that we are to emulate. I remember reading back in 2011 when the Fukushima nuclear plant in Japan, you know, after the earthquake and the tsunami was, was melting down, there was a group of some, hundred, some 200 skilled workers who were retired. They called themselves the Skilled Veterans Corps. The Skilled Veterans Corps included people who were over 60, retired, pensioned, engineers, construction workers, scientists, musicians and artists and entertainers too. But you said, we volunteer to go in and be a part of the cleanup crew at Fukushima. The reasoning was the radiation leaking from this nuclear plant will probably cause cancer, but it will probably take 20 to 30 years to manifest itself. We're already in our 60s and our 70s Much better for us to sacrifice in this way than people who were in their 30s and their 40s. Now, to the best of my knowledge, the Japanese government never took them up on this offer. But it's an incredible illustration of the kind of sacrificial kindness that we're called to. God's kindness is a sacrificial kindness. And again, nothing new But God's kindness is an undeserved kindness. It's easy for us to be kind to people who will be kind back. It's easy for us to be kind to the people who we feel deserve it. But in the Ephesians 2 passage that we read... God's kindness was expressed to us even though by nature we deserved wrath. Or in Jesus' words, love your enemies, do good to them, then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. We're called not just to be kind to those who are like us, share our stances on issues, look like us, but also to those who are ungrateful, who are so immersed in sin, all we see is the sin. Kind even to the undeserving, just as God was kind to us, the undeserving. Having experienced this undeserved, fierce, purposeful, sacrificial kindness, we're now called to go out and be conduits through which this kindness flows into the world with the help of the Spirit. 
with the help of the Spirit. This is God's kindness growing and blooming in us. So we need the help of the Spirit to model this kind of intentional kindness. So we're going to pray together, as we have been praying each week during this series, that God, through his Spirit, would make this a reality in our lives. So I'll ask you to pray this daily prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that I may live this day in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, I pray that this day I may take up my cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray that this day you will fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Holy, blessed, and glorious Trinity, three persons in one God, have mercy upon us. Amen. Amen.